Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. The crossroads where culture, lifestyle, and community meet. All hosted by the legendary New York radio TV personality and proud Harlem American, G. Keith Alexander. Oh, thank you. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? It's so nice to uh, be here with you. Welcome to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And wherever you are, I appreciate you for joining our neighborhood as we hang out together in Harlem, America. Now, today in the What's Hot Spotlight is my friend, and uh, we, we've been together for so long, Ken Spider Webb. Now, he is, uh, he's been a very successful morning radio personality for radio stations WBLS 107.5 and WRKS KISS FM right here in New York back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And he was the primary reason for each station he worked for, which he was responsible for the number one Arbitron-rated morning show during his tenure. And now... Ken is the morning radio personality for Soul Town Sirius XM Channel 49. So it is my distinct honor and pleasure to say that Ken Spiderweb is what's hot. Hello there, Ken. Hi, G. Keith. Did you ever think we'd make it? <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever think when we go back to what? 1971 did you think we'd make it <laughs> we were kids then you know we had yes, no idea yes. that uh, we would end up in uh, the uh, annals of radio and I, I didn't say anus of radio i said annals of radio okay and uh we are uh here with this new technology uh never even thought about it you know that's never right i mean who would have ever thought that the, well one thing remember when we started uh, in 71, when first I met you uh, at WBLS, uh, people weren't listening even to FM radio. That's right. Uh, much, uh, they, that's one reason why I took the job. I says, well, listen, I'm really an engineer, but I'll go in here and play with this microphone. I don't really know exactly what I'm doing, but um, nobody's going to hear me. And then next thing you know, it, <laughs> bang. Yes. Well, I tell you what, now, now that you're on way back, Let's take the Wayback Machine and tell us what it was like growing up wherever you grew up as little Ken Webb. Well, G. Keith, um, I, I, uh, my family moved from New Jersey to Long Island, to Amityville, Long Island. They had affordable housing for black veterans. So my dad qualified, bought us a house out there. We, we just didn't know where we were. And um, long story short, uh, I got involved with uh, amateur radio. Um, our neighbor back to back, our back backyards were connected, uh, was a Tuskegee Airman, who uh, Gene Brown, who was a ham radio operator. Oh, wait and a minute, wait a minute, short, wait a minute, wait a minute. You thought, wait a minute, you, you guys thought he was a Russian because he had this ham, uh, yeah. this, this <laughs> ham radio thing. Tell us about That's that. That's right. Well, very quickly, uh, Danny Robinson and I, Danny's long in the deep sleep, but uh, he was a year older than me. We were born on the same day. We kind of met because we went to school together. And uh, in the evening, we'd snoop around the neighborhood to see what we could see. So uh, we looked at the through a window in the basement of the house directly back to back to us. And we saw this guy, uh, Gene Brown, 
with a pair of earphones on and a microphone. And he was talking and then we'd look in another night and he's tapping out the code, you know, that kind of stuff. And um, at code. the time, just like the pandemic and the uh, J- January 6th is in the news, well, there were in the news about uh, espionage on the part of a couple in the United States, They were uh, the, the Goldbergs or something like that. Anyway, that dominated the news. So everybody's thinking spies, they're speak, thinking espionage. So me and Danny go over to uh, Mr. Shula, who was a police officer. He was ex-Marine, and um, he was now a police officer for the Suffolk County Police Department. Uh, and his beat was North Amityville, where we lived. So we said, Mr. Shula, there is a Russian spy uh, that lives right back to back to me, and he's down there talking to the Russians. So we've got to <laughs> we've got to arrest him today. He's got to go. So Mr. Shuler, he knew Gene Brown because all of these guys were ex-military people. They know each other. So he puts us in the police car, takes us around the Gene's house, and he, we knock on the door. And uh, Gene comes to the door, and Gene was rather short. He was about five, five or six, you know. And Mr. Shuler was real tall. Uh, Mr. Shula said, um, we're looking for Russian spies. And Gene says, well, I, I don't have any spies here. <laughs> and uh, Danny said, oh, yes, 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 he is. That's the one we saw. And Gene turned to his wife and said, Margie, have we see, have any Russian spies here? She hollers from the kitchen, no, haven't seen any today. Now we're 12 and 13 years old. <laughs> That's where we were. So... Mr. Shuler says, uh, well, uh, uh, these young fellows say that you were talking on the radio. Danny says, yes, we were. I had to chime in. I was. T- I said, look at these big antennas he's got outside of his house. Look, look at look, in his house. He's got a microphone down there. <laughs> and I broke my finger pointing at him. And, <laughs> and Gene took us down into his radio shack. And that was it. We started to uh, learn radio. He taught us the Morse code, which I still have in my head today. Mm -hmm. And um, he gave us our amateur license. My license was WA2BQM, and Danny was WA2BQN. And uh, we uh, learned the code. We then started voice operation and uh, built our own transmitters and receivers. And as Gene, uh, I wanted to be like uh, some of the white fellas I was in in, uh, high school with. Uh, their their parents bought them receivers off the shelf manufacturers, but uh, we couldn't do that. So Gene told my father to uh, don't allow this boy to buy anything off the shelf. You make him build it. And that's what I did. So we learned how to put radio stations on the air and talk to people all over the world by code and by voice. And, um, and how my brother followed I was uh, 12 or 13 years old. I have a picture that I'll send you later. Mm-hmm. It's a picture of the Amityville High School Radio Club in 1958. And wow. uh, the outgoing president, Alan Lush, mm-hmm. who was a ham radio operator, he appointed me. He got rid of the Democratic voting process in the radio club. He says, Ken Webb is going to be the president of the club. And so I have a picture uh, and I, I had my I had my license prior way prior to 1958 because you couldn't get in the club unless you had a license. 
Now, for, for, for the people who are, are not familiar with New York radio, uh, there was a guy named Frankie Crocker. He was the chief rocker, and he was at uh, WWRL, which was a, uh, was a fast-talking radio station, a AM station. But those guys over there were like the, the temptations of radio. And right. then Frankie left, and he became the program director of a new radio station, WLIB-FM, before it became WBLS. How did you get to WBLS as the first morning man? Well, I was at, um, at the time I was uh, teaching at Brooklyn College in the television department. They called it speech and theater, but now they call it radio and television department. And uh, I was working with the graduate program there. Now, they had a, um, a black and white television system at Brooklyn mm -hmm. College that they mm -hmm. upgraded to color through a outreach community program. And um, Danny and I had been, um, uh, uh, we, we went to work for a company. Lloyd Sargent was the head of one of the local organizations like NAACP or CORE. And he identified, he could see uh, the technical background that we had. So he hired us in this company to on the edge of transition between radio tubes and transistors. So we mm -hmm. worked for this company and we were well familiar with uh, analog television. So we worked in a plant and um, that plant gave me uh, enough qualification to work and upgrade the black and white studio uh, at Brooklyn College into color. So uh, there was a system put in there and I worked with the system and then we had to teach the graduate students color television. But how'd, that get, but, but how'd that get you to WBLS? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, what happened was uh, I had been working with that background and um, on the weekend I worked at WBAB 1440 uh, on the dial, AM dial. And I worked there on the weekends. It was like we were playing. I mean, we, we didn't make much money, but we, uh, they put an FM into place. And Miss um, Hornstein uh, asked me to uh, uh, come to the station and do a weekend show. Uh, it was amounted to just keep the transmitter tubes warm. That's about what it was. And uh, I was on FM playing my music from 1967 actually all the way up through 1971 and the fm uh not every car had fm receiver in it like today but um, frankie's rolls royce the silver cloud rolls royce that he had mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. two used to ride around in yeah we used to uh, ride around that car boy you, i know you did because <laughs> he came out to the hamptons and he turned on his fm radio just scanning around like he would do and he heard me playing music. And some of my music was being played over WLIB because it was my home collection. So uh, I got a note in my box one day. Uh, Miss Hornstein, uh, Frankie called BAB in the day, and she left me one of those blue um, uh, phone call receipts. It mm -hmm. was in my box. She says, Ken, I think they want you in, in New York. I said, oh, boy, that would be good. Now, I'm thinking engineer because that's what, I mean, That's never what... thought of using, you know, the mic, but uh, I came in and um, I remember the day I came in, he, he was going to see a movie 
uh, this cameo appearance that he had in one of his movies. Yeah, and, it was a uh, five on the black hand side, side. or uh, or something like that. Yeah. Right. So he he uh, went, took me in there to Dick Novick, and uh, Novick asked me uh, uh, if I'd like to work on the air. I says, well, I don't know. I'm working at Brooklyn College. He says, well, we need a morning person from 5.30 to 10 o'clock. I says, oh, I could do that because my first class that I had at Brooklyn College was at uh, 11.45. So um, uh, I came in. That's when I saw you. I saw you for the very first time. That's right. Because uh, uh, I, I used to work with the, the uh, he had me work with the new people that come in for a couple of days just so they yeah. could, you know, get a feel. Yeah. So uh, I, I would come in and uh, work there till uh, uh, 10 o'clock. And then I'd leave one voice track and I would play uh, the music that we were playing uh, uh, around the clock. Uh, leave, and so people could get an example of what the whole Jackson 5 album was about or the whole Temptations album was about because for two hours it was just music until Vi came in. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got there. Um, nobody really had FM radios. They weren't in cars. You only had an FM as if you went and bought the receiver and plugged it into your amplifier. But so, but we uh, but we were very significant and 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 getting people to put FM radios in their car because part of our our, right. our our drops during throughout the day would always say, "Remember to put an FM radio in your car. Put an FM radio right. in your car." And, and when so, they put it in. And it was in stereo at home. It would go W B L S. Right. And that's what that's what got us. That's what right. got us in there. We we called it the giant when the giant said W B L S. It ping pong from from the right speaker to the left speaker. No one had ever done that before. And that's uh, right. That that was uh, what uh, captured people's imagination at the time. Now, being the morning man. Uh, you had to come up with something, something clever, something that uh, people would, uh, you know, uh, want to attach to you and, 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 and draw people to, to you. How did you come up with the colors of the day? Well, as you remember, we were on the 15th floor of 801 when we mm -hmm. started out. A lot of people say they were with WBLS and they don't remember the 15th floor. That means they weren't around. Right. <laughs> I know I had to come in from Long Island every day, pay toll with the Midtown Tunnel, come to 801 and go up to the 15th floor. Right. Now, if you don't right. know about the 15th floor, you were not at WBLS in the, in the, in the beginning. But at any rate, um, uh, we um, on the 13th floor or the 12th level, um, there was a... Um, the one, the one 800 girls, you know, the girls that get on the phone. Hello guy. How are you? Da, 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 you know, it was one of those things. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I met one of these girls in the elevator one time. And she said some um, that uh, she was getting a job on the, on another floor working for Monsanto. Now Monsanto made fabrics and clothes and rugs, anything out of cloth. They, they were a big company. Long story short, she had introduced me to someone in Monsanto and gave me a swatch board. It was the three foot by three foot board that sat up in the control room. And it had little pieces of the cloth that Monsanto makes. And they call it swatch, little pieces. Right. So each one had a color. 
Now, if you bought uh, grape purple, all right, that little swatch, they make clothes out of it. And people who design the ladies' clothes put their mannequins, this kind of outfits on their mannequins in the storefront. So if you saw, like you have on a burgundy uh, sweater there, uh, that you, you'd walk down the street and look in the, in, in the, show, the showroom and you'd see your burgundy sweater. And you'd say, oh, I like that. So I was calling out the mere colors that Monsanto was making. <laughs> That's how you got the colors of the day. It, it became so popular. People would not leave their home uh, to go to work in the morning uh, unless they turned you on to listen to see what color of the day was, what the color was, and they would wear that color to work. Exactly. So I would say, um, this is G. Keith Alexander Burgundy. It's a Monday morning. Watch your time. And I'd give, <laughs> I'd give this at least twice every hour because Frankie said, go ahead and do it. You know, and, and I think the another thing was that uh, when my twins were born, uh, Kevin and Keith, uh, they, um, um, the, they were born and we didn't know they were twins. And um, and they came out different colors. Well, yeah, <laughs> one one looked like the my wife's side of the family. One looked like my side of the family. But um, someone told me one 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 day why uh, people liked it. At that time, uh, as you mentioned before the show, the uh, DJs at that time were like the temptations of radio. They dressed a certain way. They hung out with the in crowd. They were the crowd. But the idea of a, a black man that's not afraid to say that he's married or not afraid to say that he has five children, three girls and a set of twins and all that that goes along with uh, family life for a, 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 a husband and a father. I was able to share these things. And someone told me about this. I, I didn't come up with this, this thought, this angle of uh, viewing angle. But they said, it's so much a pleasure. My husband has even changed after he listens. Or I notice my wife gives me more respect because you said such and so. And we talk about the family. Now, I did get flack from certain personalities who will remain anonymous. Well, I tell you what. <laughs> We, we must take a short break right now. Hold that thought. We'll come back to okay. find out a little bit more about how you being a family man on, on morning radio and talking about the family helped to change other lives. Ladies and gentlemen, we're with uh, Ken Spider-Webb, a uh, legendary radio uh, personality here in New York City. And uh, we'll be right back. Don't forget to go to HarlemAmerica.com. Harlem, America. It's about Harlem. Harlem is my town. Carver Bank, where 80% of every dollar is reinvested in the community. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. 
Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one-hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480-553-5741 today. America, where Coca-Cola is helping you enjoy less sugar. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Harlem America, talking to the world from the heart and soul of New York. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, thank you so very, very much there, Kevver. Uh, we are with the legendary morning man, Ken Spiderweb, and he's still in radio. Uh, he's with uh, Sirius XM. He's on, uh, was it Soul Town One or something like that? Soul Town Sirius XM 49. Get down. Okay. So now, uh, Ken, I understand uh, being in uh, satellite radio, it makes you more of a national radio personality. But how does that differ from being local? Well, you've got to uh, remember in your mind constantly that you're talking to all 50 states. And it's different because uh, if it's seven o'clock in New York, it's uh, four, four or five o'clock out on the West Coast. So the things that you do, you have to speak uh, on a wider sense. For example, um, I do a little thing where I say, uh, well, um, the uh, Museum of uh, Natural History opened up in Chicago. Good morning, Chicago. How are you doing out there? I'm thinking about you. Uh, and it, uh, it costs 50 cents to get in <laughs> Monday through Friday. <laughs> uh, so the point is you, you have to do things like that. Um, be mindful that there's different weather conditions. Um, all of these things make you want to sound like you like the people that are hearing it. And then you put in your little tricks here and there uh, of, of um, letting them know you're aware of uh, different things. Uh, uh, you, you'd say something, well, you know, um, as we look at the news, word on the street, uh, as you know, the January 6th hearings are taking place. Our news services are uh, giving you all the details on that. So check out our news service, Channel 116, that's CNN News. You see, I can't say G. Keith Alexander will be here at the top of the hour with the latest 
you know, top stories in the news. I can't do that because you, we're not a radio station. We are a national radio outlet, satellite radio. So you've got to um, come up with new ways of presenting, being the same. Well, you know, uh, same thing, being positive, listenable, likable mm -hmm. to do <laughs> some mm -hmm. of that. Well, you know, what, what I notice about uh, satellite radio as opposed to local radio, uh, in local radio, you know, we, we were able to, to make some extra money on the site. No matter what we were paid at the radio station, you know, you could go out and make club appearances. You can go, you know, spin records like you and Johnny Allen used to do, go out in clubs and spin records and make a $500 <laughs> a night uh, back in those days or $1,000, uh, you know, to, uh, to... I remember when I... Uh, took Madonna out to a club called Haskell, uh, Heskels, and she had her first record out. And uh, they paid me $1,000 to, uh, to bring Madonna out there. And I didn't have to spin a record or anything. You know, all I had to do was just introduce her to the, to the club. So you can't do that in, in satellite radio because you, you're, just, you're just not local. Yeah. Well, um, see, you guys made the money. They, the, the producer of the event would hand me an IOU. Like uh, a couple of, I'm going to say it like Sparky Martin. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm talking about. But the, uh, the point is with Sirius C, again, uh, satellite radio covers the entire United States by two satellite systems. So um, one thing that uh, comes into play with going around, if I go to San Francisco and uh, they invite me on the stage and say, this is Ken Webb from Sirius Radio, people say, yeah. If I go to Chicago, this is Ken Webb from Sirius XM. They clap. <laughs> they, they applaud. Yeah, man. And my emails and responses from uh, my show helped me to say, well, wait a minute. I got to realize that I'm talking to the world, not just uh, one location. Well, now, okay. See, all right now. So then there is a way to monetize that uh being on uh, satellite is, and that is if you were to go to those particular cities, mm -hmm. then, you know, then I, I, I guess you'd have to be a traveling man in order to be able to make money going to the various cities. Uh, but you're stationary now. In fact, you have moved from New York and now you're in Delaware. Right. Of all places. Wilmington, Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware. And you're still doing your serious XM radio show from there. Well, like, like the pandemic has done to many people, it's a changed their life. There's a new normal. Um, they gave us the equipment to work from home. And uh, we, they set it up so that you sound like you're on the air. But I am home. Everybody knows it. So we're not, <laughs> we're not letting any secrets out. Uh, everybody was affected one way or the other. I mean, more people that I know used to work at different places uh, they work from home. My daughter worked at Nikon headquarters in Long Island, and uh, now she works at from home. And uh, so everybody's been adjust, uh, affected by the, uh, the the pandemic and the new normal that we have. I understand you were in uh, Wendy Williams' uh, uh, film. Wendy had a movie out, and you were in the movie. Yeah, kind well, of, there was sort of. there was a there was a scene when Wendy came from Philadelphia. She came back to New York. Uh, and uh, she joined the wake-up club. And at the time, Jeff Fox and I 
uh, were part of the wake up club. And um, they had a clip of that in the movie. And my cousin down in Clearwater, Florida, she was very upset by what Ken Webb said in that movie. <laughs> they should have had Kim, my cousin, they should have had him there instead of <laughs> some people that didn't know him. And Jeff Fox, <laughs> Jeff Fox was happy. He called me up. He says, Ken, we made the silver screen. We finally made it. <laughs> I watched the movie. I said, Jeff, we weren't there. They had somebody else that looked like you and me. (laughs) (laughs) They got a big laugh out of it. I mean, that's radio, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, to blow my own horn, have have you seen me on the silver screen? Have you seen me? I see you all over the place. You you walk, you're in scenes with the big stars. I don't know how you do it, Keith. I want to be like you when I grow up. uh, Robert De Niro, I worked worked three days with, uh, with him in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I said, yeah. look, look at Jenny Keith, Jenny Keith. Look at him. He, he's a star. <laughs> well, for, for those of you listening and uh, you don't know who the heck I am or, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you're familiar with Robert De Niro and perhaps the movie, the intern. Mm-hmm. I'm the only black guy walking in the movie. So that will tell you who I am. Oh, you so did it. Well, you did it. Well, Keith. Uh, if I was making a movie, I'd, I'd have you, uh, you'd be in it. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. And speaking of movies, now you and uh, Mike Burrell have been putting together this documentary on New York radio DJs. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, um, ba- uh, Mike Burrell came to me as a uh, young college student, and uh, he was working on or had an idea for a uh, documentary on black radio. And um I gave him a, a, a couple of jobs to do because you don't know how serious people are sometime with such a project. It was unusual, good idea. I could understand why it needed to be done. So I asked him to do a couple of uh, projects. He did it. He came back and he says, okay, so now we take it to the next step. So we uh, began to put an outline together of uh, just how this 90 minute documentary that we thought would would do. Long story short, uh, the deeper we went into black radio, the more uh, uh, it got. The story began to take weight. We had to get, we said, well, who who were the radio stars on the air, black voices, uh, before we came in? And we had to cover them. And we reached certain old timers alive at that time to tell us what it was like in the 60s and the 50s. And when we went back to uh, prominent black voices, both male and female of the uh, 40s, they take us back to the 30s. So we went back to the 30s. So we began to take in this information and the project got bigger and bigger to the point where there's different kinds of uh, genres of of music and entertainment, uh, black voices, men and women behind the mics, uh, in the technical area, uh, the, in the support, many support areas. Every once in a while, I see a black face that was responsible for some outstanding technical thing in radio, dealing with the antennas or the transmitters or studios. And I well, say, Ken, the way you're the way you're talking, this film will never be finished. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, and and you've been working on it for how many years now? Well, uh, it's been about somewhere between eight and ten years. Because you guys have had, uh, you guys have interviewed me three times at least. Yes, uh, that's that's because that's because we had to um, we, we had to 
connect the dots. We had to connect the people. And with new information, it was a whole new thing to come out to deal with hip hop and rap. That's a story in itself. So um, the project is still going on and um, we're uh, looking for the proper support that we need to have it recognized as such. Okay, we don't what is want the it proper support? In... Proper support is naturally you need a budget. Uh, that's what we need. And we need the support of uh, the, the writers, uh, those who do research on this subject, because it spans out in many different directions, not only New York, but Chicago and uh, Philadelphia and Detroit. There were outstanding black faces, men and women in these areas that uh, we want to put in. And, you know, the, even the technology of putting out their good pictures and good sound, all of these things have kept this project going. I hope well, we can get it, get the support we needed. Well, aside from you and me, uh, which uh, radio personalities uh, were the most controversial of uh, all the research and, and, and filming that you've done? And, and the most exciting. Well, I guess I, uh, I have to put Frankie Crocker um, for one reason. It's somewhat selfish, but um, nonetheless, it's true. I think of Frankie wanted a New York radio station to be number one. And he saw something in this little guy from Long Island that would help him have a number one morning show. And you know, as well as I do, if you ain't got a morning show, a number one show, you're not going to be number one in New York overall. Right. He saw something in this little guy from Long Island that he had me come in and supply what was needed at that time. He knew I would be in there every day. Uh, he knew how he wanted to hear things. My phone, that red line would ring more than anybody else on the air. Mm -hmm. And in a selfish way, but the truth, I think I got more out of him regarding radio and how to do something, uh, how to frame what I do, how to present what I do. Because I was a technical guy. I still am. But I had to learn how to use that microphone. And therefore, regarding radio, I got more out of him, I think, than anybody else. My phone used to ring, Ken, what are you playing? Uh, I'm playing Odyssey, New Native New York. Turn it off. You don't know how to frame it. Take the record, slip it under my door, and I want to talk to you when I get in. <laughs> so these, to me, were instructions on how to be successful at the job that I had. And well, that's, what's the, that's why I find him so exciting because he, he didn't give that persona to everybody. Well, you know, Frankie, um, for me, Frankie was show business on the radio. Frankie was, he didn't look at radio from just a being a presenter. Uh, he didn't look at radio from just being a uh, someone who was playing music. He put the whole show business around uh, radio. And the way he looked, the way he dressed, the uh, his style. Uh, and when he came from WWRL, 
for those who, who are outside the city and may want to do some research on Frankie Crocker, uh, he then left WWRL, which, like I said, these guys were fast talkers and rhymed and all this stuff. Then he went to, um, uh, what was it, the radio station? Um, it, he went, it, he was, I know, I don't know the sequence, he, but he was at WOR for a week or a day or so. Yeah, but then he MCA. went to WMCA. He became WMCA. one of the MCA good guys. But then he, he got hired to start WLIB-FM or WBLS, and, and he had... He want, didn't want us to talk fast. He wanted all of us to be cool. He wanted us to, you know, to bring down the level a little bit, you know, and, and, and be more conversational with people. And, and that started something in FM radio uh, that uh, people would come. I remember people would come from Europe, get in, sit in a hotel room with a tape recorder and tape our format, tape the jocks and go back to Europe and, and play that format uh, as, as they captured it on their radio stations. And that was what Frankie did. Frankie helped to give FM radio uh, that show business effect. And from there on, it, it just took off. So I guess he is one of the most controversial and uh, important figures in radio. Ken, we've got just a few minutes, uh, probably about uh, two minutes before we go to break. Uh, in fact, one minute before we go to break. So we'll come back with uh, more from you. I just want to remind folks that uh, this is What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. And if you go to our website, harlemamerica.com, you can find some of our uh, podcasts and some of our TV shows on Harlem America TV. You can download us, uh, uh, Harlem America, on Roku, Amazon, uh, Apple, and Android TVs. And... Uh, We'll be right back after these messages or uh, promos, so don't go away. Thank you. The home of Glasso Smart Water is Harlem America. Harlem America, the home of Coca-Cola Zero. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio podcast to establish fame, fortune, and followers for your small business? People listen to them, they subscribe to them, and they love them. As a small black business owner, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? Well, you can when you hire the radio podcast pros at Harlem America Digital Network. Imagine you'll have a team of creative and technical professionals at your disposal and a one hour weekly radio podcast to spread the word about your business. Making your business successful with its own media is not for the faint at heart, but it can happen with a Harlem America radio podcast talk show. Get a free consultation by emailing G. Keith Alexander at HarlemAmerica.com or call D. Daniels at 480 741 today. You're listening to Harlem America. I love it a lot. For entertainment. Check it out. Check it out. Empowerment and health and wellness. Harlem America. You're listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. To reach our show live today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Also, you can send an email to gkeithalexander at harlemamerica.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, I want to say hello to the uh, world-famous Apollo Theater. Uh, we just had the uh, 17th annual Spring Gala 
where the Apollo raised $3.7 million for some of the educational programs that uh, they have. And uh, Tyler Perry, he donated a half a million dollars uh, and received the Impact Award from Whoopi Goldberg. It was a great show. It was hosted by uh, Kenan Thompson from SNL. Uh, Stephanie Mills was on the, the show, as well as uh, Anthony Hamilton. And it was just a great, great event. And of course, there is no party, no party like the Apollo Theater Gala Party, which happens after the, the show. So a big shout out to uh, Janelle Procope and Camilla Forbes and uh, Fatima Jones and all the folks over at the Apollo Theater. So now, oh, and a big shout out to Jasmine Summers who co-hosted uh, the red carpet with me as well. So um, you oh, one more thing. One, I just got to say one more thing. You'll be able to go to uh, our, my website uh, over at harlemamerica.com and you'll be able to see some of the uh, video from that event uh, probably uh, next week because we're still in editing. But in the meantime, we're with Ken Spiderweb, and Ken is over at uh, Soul Town XM Radio 69. And uh, Ken, so tell us now, give me a funny, funny story about Frankie Crocker. <laughs> oh, boy, that's a tough one. But I think one that was really funny was when, during the radio wars. And uh, if you don't know what they are, uh, ask your mom. <laughs> They'll tell you the wars <laughs> that we... BLS had with KTU and KISS and so forth. Anyway, KISS FM, it's in the heat of the battle. Uh, KISS was producing concerts at Madison Square Garden. And uh, they had a big show. And we were not getting any, uh, you know, we had to take the low post on that at BLS. So uh, Frankie asked me to come in from Long Island. We're going to go to the KISS show that night. So I came in. Um, Frankie could walk into Madison Square Garden anytime he wanted. They know who he was. That's right. So he was right there at the door. He says, oh, there's Ken. My man is Ken Radio. He Come on, come in. So we go in and um, it gets time for, to start the, the concert. Barry Mayo, the general manager and uh, producer at KISS, was mm -hmm. out at the soundboard in the middle of the audience. So now I forget who was performing, but um, he had planned to have Chuck Leonard, who I found out, ladies and gentlemen, was my cousin. I'll mm -hmm. tell you about that someday, someday. But Chuck Leonard, who was at KISS, was supposed to go out and introduce the show. So, <laughs> so Frankie and I are sitting backstage, and all of a sudden, Frankie goes over to security, and I didn't know what he was doing, but he was just talking, pointing to the stage. And, and, and Chuck Leonard, who was ready to take the steps to go up on the stage, before the audience. So security goes over and they grab Chuck Leonard <laughs> and pull him off the way. And he says, wait a minute, I have to go on the stage to introduce the show. Frankie says, okay, I, I'll take care of that. I'll, I'll do that. So Frankie goes up and he introduces the act. Now here you have the program director for WBLS introducing the show that you put together. Barry Bale couldn't do nothing. <laughs> so Frankie goes out and introduces the show, introduces me. I said hello to everybody, and I ran for cover. <laughs> it was a Kiss FM show, but Frankie, Frankie Crocker of WBLS it. hijacked the show. 
Yeah. Wow. Okay. You know, Frankie and I, uh, you, you're right. Frankie could just walk into uh, uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, <laughs> we would drive in his rolls to Madison Square Garden. They would open the private gate in the back so he could drive his rolls into the parking lot. And I remember the day that uh, we, Frankie had to uh, host the show. It was a Sly and the Family Stone show. Okay. And, and, and it's no secret. Uh, you can look it up. Uh, Sly used to get high all the time. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, it, it, was, it, was, it was part of, the, you know, the news. But anyway, um, we, we were backstage with Sly. And, and, and Sly was getting ready to go on stage. But Sly was so high that he, was, he had this big powder puff the, the size of my hand. And he was missing his face. He was putting the powder on, on both of his ears, trying to hit his face with the powder. And Frankie looked at him and said, Sly, you're missing your face. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so now uh, Sly's uh, body band, uh, uh, it's time to go on. So Frankie and I, we go up backstage of Madison Square Garden and the body man brings, helps Sly come up backstage. Okay, so Frankie goes out, he introduces, uh, you know, he welcomes everybody and he introduces me. And then he, then he introduces, uh, it's time now for Sly and the Family Stone. So he introduces Sly. Well, Sly comes out, trips over the speakers on the stage because he was so <laughs> He was so high. And uh, it, I, it was sad. It, it, I really should laugh because it, it was really sad at the time. But Sly got up and put on one heck of a show. I mean, that 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 was uh, part of, a, you know, uh, Frankie lore, uh, mm-hmm. how uh, he used to be able to walk through Madison Square Garden like, you know, like he owned the place. So, but again, you see, what I, you, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that Frankie was a kind of a guy. He loved the business that he was in. And uh, when he would step out into real life, he was one that reminded me anytime we went out, went out uh, shopping one time and everything. And he, 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 he thought that the camera was rolling. A movie was being made. <laughs> that's, that's the way he, he performed. And uh, I, I found it amusing. And um I, I got to learn a little bit more about him, you know. Um, there were times when uh, uh, we we spent some time, not as much as you did. You guys used to hang out all the time. See, I, I had to be uh, on that radio at 5.30 in the morning. I Wherever I am at that time, I better be there. Uh, he turned into a tough taskmaster, uh, which uh, made me also think uh, when, when different ones ask uh, me the similar question, what does it take to be a morning man? You have to be at least one third in physical good condition because there's a lot on your mind. You have to have something to serve your listeners every day. You've got to sound fresh. You may have problems. Uh, They don't belong on the microphone because people out there are having their problems as well. You have to not only not go down that road, but be encouraging to the listeners. You have to find things that make them feel better. These are all things that I learned from him. Uh, Just like he, when he set the station up, he took certain commercials off the air that were negative. Right. Uh, Five rooms of furniture for dollar down and a dollar a week. (laughs) Remember all those commercials he took off the air because he was interested in the people who are listening. And uh, many people would uh, 
write letters in response to him uh, because of the image they saw. And they were, for the most part, uh, all positive. So um, he, he, I was able to see a side of him and uh, put it together. I said, listen, man, I'm going to have to train myself to be in every day. So people, when they turn on that radio, they hear me. So if you're not a morning person, don't, don't try to be uh, one. If you're a person that comes alive later in the day, we'll do that. Don't try to be a morning person because over time, it won't be uh, something that you'll find easy to do. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't get on in the morning. When the twins were born, I, I had a couple of drinks with my dad at uh, four or five o'clock in the morning. And uh, I called him up when the kids were born. I said, Frank, I don't think I'll be able to come in today. You know, my wife had a baby. He tells me, well, who had the baby? I said, my wife did. He said, well, that, that's not you. Boy, you better get in there. I said, Frankie, you, you, you can go in, you know, as a change. No, not me. I'm not going in. And I don't think I remember ever Frankie being on the air at WBLS in the morning. No. And, and speaking of uh, Frankie being on the air, when Frankie hired me, uh, and I, I was, this was a blessing, Frankie told me, he says, look, uh, first of all, he, he laughed at my demo tape, okay, uh, that, that I submitted to him. But he told me, he says, you know what? He says, you're going to be my librarian. You're going to take care of all the music. And you'll be here. When I get here at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I want you to be standing at the door with my record albums and my copy book. Because at the time, we had to read copy live and we didn't have a you know a whole bunch of uh, recorded commercials so uh and and then he said and when i take off the the when i take off on the weekends i want you to sit in for me and i knew nothing about radio but this is how he hired me and i ended up sitting in for him on the weekends but when he would take off during the week i would sit in for him during the week so now here i am uh you know a, a novice uh really knowing nothing about radio he gave me this opportunity. But what I hated about that was whenever he was not on the air and I sat in for him, remember he always had that drop that said, when Frankie Crocker isn't on your radio, your radio isn't really, really, isn't on. really on. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there. So well, you, came up with, you came up with what? If uh, <laughs> Frankie Crocker isn't on the radio, than G. Keith Alexander is. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, you see, you gave him support that he needed. This is what he needed. Many times he'd be off and on doing things like celebrities do, popular radio uh, personalities do. And he needed you. He needed you. You were his, uh, uh, his go-to person. Uh, I, I think what you gave him was real support. You two guys... Uh, uh, would be, I mean, uh, when I think of the combination of you and Frankie, I think uh, uh, of both of you, uh, you being uh, an experience in radio and Frankie needed to be touched with reality <laughs> as he developed his thing. You know, yeah. I, I think that you, you started him thinking in certain areas and it all come down on me. <laughs> well, you know, the, the record industry used to call me Frankie's boy. 
Okay. And, and, and because I was his assistant and I would help him program the music, uh, we'd go to his house and there would be uh, the music that we program. And then the, the next day he'd, we'd put the sheets up in the studio with the, mm -hmm. with the music on it. And, and the clock. But, yeah. And the clock. So what I learned was there was a, a, an East Indian saying that said, boy to the king is king of the boys. So I felt as though I was in a great position because whenever he wanted you guys to do something, he would say, G. Keith, uh, make sure that this happens or G. Keith, tell them this. Or So I was always like the, the mm -hmm. emissary. So I felt like I had a position uh, that was different than, 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 than the statue or a stature of, of everyone else at, at the station. So uh, that was, uh, and well, then- I think it's, it was needed at that time. Remember, we didn't have all the, uh, things, tools that we have now to do a job like that. Right. Uh, I always felt that those guys that came before us, the WWRL Soul Brothers, the Temptations of Radio, they couldn't think far ahead like uh, people coming up in the business. Now, the best they could think of was maybe having a dance show like Dick Clark or Jerry Blitzo had on right. television or get into the theater. So, they they couldn't be the the uh, Will Smiths and the, all the rest of the guys that started out with hip hop and rap videos and now they're uh, reached their success which I don't envy them they they had you know the ability and things working for them that they ended up on the silver screen getting yeah. Academy Awards and so forth that's that's good well that's can't. Good. Uh Ken, this has been wonderful. We've got two minutes left. Uh, you know, I, I want to dig into your history because, you know, folks always uh, uh, have asked me throughout the years, how's Ken Webb? Uh, what's Ken Webb doing? And things like that. And, and, you know, you're a real legend in radio, and I thought it was important to capture your story, at least some of it anyway, uh, while we uh, uh, still could. And uh, thank you, my brother, for, for coming. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, make sure just one more time before you leave, tell people where to find you. And uh... well, you can find me at two locations every morning, Monday through Friday on Sir Sirius XM channel 49. Uh, I'm there for six hours. And uh, I also have my little uh, uh, radio syndication, which is called jazz from the city. I've been doing jazz shows on syndicated radio since 1982. And uh, we have a, a jazz from the city bonus hours. And you can go to my website, kenweb.com. And all the information is there, how you can hear the show. But uh, I'm retired and it's comfortable. And I like helping the young folks as they, they come along and develop them as well. Well, great. Well, thank you so thank much, you. Ken Spider Webb. This has been a real pleasure. Uh, you know, I've, I've known you since... Uh, Oh, we were kids, so to speak. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. Have a great day and a better one tomorrow. And don't judge your brother or sister too harshly until you walk the mile in his or her shoes. And uh, remember, life is tough, but you're tougher. I'm thank G. you, Keith. G. Keith. Thank Take you, care. G. Keith. Okay, kid. Bye-bye. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander. We'll be back next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. in New York on the Voice America Variety Channel and the Harlem America Digital Network. Thank you for listening. Oh.